Greetings. Welcome to a special evergreen edition of the Steve Dace Show here. That would be me. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He's Aaron McIntyre. And if you are watching this, we are off today, but we wanted to make sure to bring you some original content like this evergreen. And I I think I said this when we recorded a couple of years ago, an evergreen episode about our most impactful Bible verses, I think is what it was, right? And I think I said at the time, who knows when this will air. Um, In fact, we recorded that so long ago that we actually, it was the last show to ever air on the network from the original studio. Mm. And uh, I said at the time that who knows when this will air, but something tells me given the subject matter. Whenever it comes up in the rotation order of evergreens to run, it will seem like that's the ideal time for this this conversation to occur. And I, I kind of feel the same way about the evergreen that we are about to do. We are, in the interest of full disclosure, we are, we are taping this on the date of May 18th, 2023. Who knows when you will actually see this in the future. Right now, we don't, at the time we're taping this, we don't have an immediate plan of when this will air. It could not air at all this year. It could end, it could air a month from now. We, we don't know, but it, it's not on the schedule as of now. But I am confident, given the conversation that we are about to have over the course of the next couple of hours today, that whenever it does come up, it'll seem like this was a conversation that needed to be had because it's from a similar vein. But first, a reminder about our friends over at Eden Pure, their outstanding thunderstorm air purifier, which is so popular in our audience, and it's very popular too if you read the reviews. Why? It's more than an air freshener. In fact, it's not an air freshener at all. It's an air purifier. It confronts and gets rid of the strong odors from cooking, cigarette smoke, litter boxes, trash cans. Even that pesky mildew smell in the basement is no match. And it's filterless, so you're never spending out of your own pocket or time replacements for filters in the time moving forward. You can get the three-pack for whole home protection for under 200 bucks. All three units for under 200 bucks plus free shipping. You can't beat it. Plus free shipping when you go to EdenPureDeals.com and make sure to use the discount code Steve. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Com. Use the discount code Steve, all three units for under 200 bucks plus free shipping. Just go to EdenPureDeals.com, discount code Steve. On May 2nd of 2023, I was invited to attend a meeting that I wouldn't describe it as top secret, but it was meant to be private, off the record, a place where we could come together and have very blunt conversations with one another. Uh, Lots of national media figures were invited to this from around the country. Some of them, of course, would be names you would absolutely know. And then for whatever reason, they decided to invite me at the last minute. And given the magnitude of whom would be in the crowd, I I just thought, after talking it over with you guys and some of uh, my friends and my wife, that even though it was going to cause, you know, quite the upheaval to switch the show around in time for me to go to this with less than a week's notice. Just thought it was given the importance of the moment we're at right now as a culture, just thought it was worthy of doing that. And so I did, I did not intend to walk away from this event with thoughts of, Ooh, let's do a show on that. But as, as the day's events unfolded and and just hearing from a lot of the wisdom in the room, I, I did something I rarely do guys. I mean, I took notes. I mean, when was the last time you saw me take notes on anything? Never. You know? 
And a lot of it isn't is be, is not because I just think what you're telling me isn't important. It's just I have a really prodigious memory, and I tend to remember things very well. And then at times there are things you're telling me I, I don't think are important. <laughs> but in this case, I thought everything anybody had to say was important. And throughout the course of this day and this meeting, hearing from various voices, I, I wrote down several things that stood out to me as as standalone statements that I thought we could absolutely unpack and discuss one day on this show. And today, today's going to be that day. We can discuss the context of why they were said in that meeting if you want. Some things I need to keep private. But the reason I intended to, anyway, but the reason I wrote these particular statements down is I think they are transcendent from that meeting. Meaning you wouldn't know the you wouldn't have to know the context of why we were discussing them that day in Dallas, Texas. But because the the just the magnitude of the statement just being said in any context would would get your attention and start a conversation. So my intent today is to just do a very special, no matter who who knows what day of the week this will air, but a special theology Thursday. The entire show will be theology Thursday today going through these statements and why I think they're impactful and then what you guys happen to think about them. What do you think so far? I was looking forward to this the minute you said it because if there's... And this could go a lot of ways. We we could end up being quite encouraged after that. Well, you haven't tipped your hat on any. Yeah, you guys, I shouldn't so, mention this. You guys have not seen any of these statements yet. I think it's possible I'm invigorated after this. I think it's possible that I'm furious. Or both. Or both. Yeah. Well. Or both. Yeah. Uh, if it's going to be Theology Thursday on whatever day this airs, probably any day other than Thursday, actually, <laughs> I'm I'm going to be fine with that, and I think a lot of people in our audience are are good with that as well. Um, having heard just limited, uh, just limited notes that you've told us off the air about this meeting, um, that, that will, I will be, I, I think I will be, I think I will be encouraged. That's my prediction, actually. Encouraged. Now that I'm saying that, I'm like, I'm getting my hopes up, but. Prepare, be, prepare to be crushed. Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm. Covering the uh, rhetorical nads right now. I should mention this meeting was not intended, um, and, and maybe you suspected this with my invitation given where I live, but it was, this meeting was not called about some coalescing or, uh, you know, impacting or uh, consulting about the presidential election. And who knows, again, by the time you watch this, that may be decided. We, we don't know. Uh, but, but that's not why this meeting was called. Uh, this meeting was called so that people with... Um, with impactful ministries and platforms could get together, come now and reason together, uh, have wisdom and a multitude of counsel about where things are sort of at this uh, determinative moment in American culture and how to proceed in light of that on a spiritual level. All right. So here is the first statement that I wrote down. We don't ever move the truth to accommodate our weaknesses and failures. And the point being here that in the scriptures, everybody other than Jesus is a sinner. Every person other than Jesus is a sinner. It is, it is arguable 
that until Christ arrives on the scene, the greatest singular human figure of the scriptures is Moses. Moses is a murderer. Moses denies God's word. He does not speak to the rock, but strikes it again. Moses is therefore, because of his disobedience, he is denied the opportunity to lead the Israelites into the promised land at the end of their 40 years in the wilderness, right? So Moses is arguably before Christ's arrival on the earth, the singular greatest human figure in the biblical historical arc. And yet he is far from perfect. And yet the point that was made here was the sins of the people is, is honestly portrayed are honestly, I portrayed proper grammar, the sins of the people are honestly portrayed in the scriptures. They are not hidden. And yet, nobody's sins calls for justification of changing the truth in order to accommodate or cover their weaknesses and failures. And, And it's not just the rampant sinfulness in our culture today that is the problem, but the shamelessness that goes along with it, basically. That we are changing. Well, you know, uh, I, I know I read the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder, but now I have a kid that I don't want and I'm not ready for, so I'm going to change that truth and kill my kid. Oh, I know, my, I, know I, you know, I took my kid to youth group when they were in Sunday school when they were younger, and, and, when, and the scripture said he made them in his image, male and female, he made them. But my kid's now 13, and he thinks she's a she, or she thinks he's a he, and I don't want to lose my kid, so I'm changing God's word. That, that's what this was in reference to. And that, that was presented as what has really, really pushed us to the brink of, as a society. It is not our sinfulness. Sinfulness has been rampant in the world since Genesis 3. It is our willingness to use our sinfulness as justification to change the truth to accommodate our weaknesses and failures. Your thoughts? My thoughts are, well, if we're going to be honest, then the next question is, why has, on on the one hand, we're dealing with the tale as old as time, nothing new under the sun. But why is it seemingly easier and easier to do this to the point that all kinds of Christian, uh, so-called Christian denominations are hosting drag queen story hour, uh, that Georgetown university is still ostensibly Catholic that David French is the conservative Christian, voice of reason now writing for the New York Times and just spends all his time slandering the bro. Like, why is it increasingly easier for these silos to pop up? And here's what, like, I just, every one of these, like, I want to, my, my plumb line is, are, are we really serious? Mm-hmm. I've mentioned this on the show before. It, it, we're not, we're not one. We have all of these places where we go where it's going to be our version of the truth the lack of oneness uh in the christian church i've talked about this mostly hurts unbelievers non-believers because they don't know who to believe but it hurts us the orthodox as well because instead of being called correct 
by it's easier to marginalize somebody calling us correct uh and because we've carved out a place where we can avoid and it happens that this uh, this plays out in a hundred uh different ways i mean at, the case in point right now is if we brought this up uh, on the show uh, recently, again, don't know where you're hearing this, but whatever's going on in the Covenant School in uh, Nashville, that the school is coming out trying to bury the manifesto. They don't, they don't want the truth to come out in some way. They're protecting their corner. We've got way too many silos in the church. Our lack of oneness... We, now... The next argument, and we'd have all kinds of, that'd be something. What does that mean, getting towards oneness? But I don't know how anybody can look you in the eye who is an Orthodox Catholic believer and say our lack of oneness is a good thing and is not at least one of the accomplices in how we so easily set aside the truth to idolize our own sin. Aaron? I... You know, I have to say, that's true. You know, I think that's, that is a true statement until about, it's usually been an average of April or May of, a, of an election year, and then we have to vote GOP to save America. That has been, that's true, up until it's time to vote GOP to save America. So I hope, I hope we're learning from mistakes. But if there's one thing the American church, and I, I almost used air quotes there, if there's one thing Christians in America have shown the ability to do, particularly in this era, at least a, a segment of them, a vocal segment of them, it is moving the goalposts of truth in favor of a political candidate. So I hope we're learning our lessons. Right and left. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, comment, the next comment. And this came from someone who has had ties to presidential administrations going back to Reagan in the 80s, so generations, and has pretty extensive ties within the military as well. Quote, one of my intelligence sources told me maybe 70% of the CIA is now straight up Marxist, end quote. Aaron, I'll let you take this one first. Do you remember the West Point graduate? I can't remember. It's got to be nearly a decade ago who was photographed uh, with his, I know it's not a hat, but it's the formal uh, army officer cap, whatever you call that. I, I don't know what you call that. And on the inside at his graduation, he had scribbled in a, mark, uh, a marker, communism will win. And in, you know, there was a lot of people who were incensed, rightfully so. What, what is one of our West Point graduates doing writing communism will win? Mm -hmm. This is just a bad egg. Just a bad egg. And nobody knows what happened to him. I looked somewhat recently as we were taping this, and still nobody knows what really happened to him. He wasn't trolling. He was prophesying. Hmm. He, he was prophesying. Barack Obama 
was the most effective president, at least since the beginning of this republic. As we're taping this again, recently, uh, Jesse Kelly, who may be quoted as much as Lord of the Rings or Star Wars on this program, uh, said something to the effect of, and again, we don't know when this is going to be airing. Maybe the election is over. Maybe the primaries are over. I, I don't know. But he said it may just end up that eight years of Barack Obama was too much for this country. I think that's maybe a little bit oversimplified, but at the end of the day, the effectiveness from, uh, uh, that, that he showed in pulling and pushing all of the levers of power that he had available definitely played a major mm-hmm. role mm-hmm. in what we're seeing now in the society. Todd? Well, <clears throat> this dovetails to the last question for me. Uh, the the number of people of faith, and it's kind of, I think it's a version of self-righteousness that they've defaulted to this po- position, but where they've ultimately set aside the truth uh, for a lie, the... the the uh the the back the blue notion of things created an idol where one did not belong as i've long told you if you're a conservative uh who always and a lot of conservatives call themselves conservative christians but if you're always defaulting to that and you aren't really then willing to hold accountable because you don't think there is a need to, you've made an idol out of them, you don't think you need to hold, and you'll talk about small government, get the government out of my everything, but you won't hold accountable the branch of government that has the sticks and the guns. Mm -hmm. That's how you get the current FBI. No one's watching. You You just think they're pure. That's a problem. And in a magnificent troll, by the way, now, the, there's, I just saw this yesterday. I think there's this gal uh, on the left. You know, we've hammered the left on um, the defunding the police, which is insane. Uh, but the flip, now, they, now she's coming at this and basically doing the same thing and saying, you're basically doing a defund the FBI thing. Def- you you want to defund the cops too. Now... She's not, our, 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 you, the three of us in this room, our motivations for doing it aren't the same as why they wanted to defund the police. Right, right. But she's smart is calling us on a far deeper hypocr- hypocrisy. We, we, we have made things that aren't so supposed to be anointed, anointed. We have not been wise as serpents. Why on earth? We talk a lot about why, if you don't have a Christian world, why wouldn't you lie? Why would you think lying was bad? Why on earth, if you just give anybody called a police officer or a cop just automatic wave the flag symbol, why wouldn't the CIA end up being 70% Marxist? No one's watching. Can I have a just a very basic, simple take to this? Aside from what you guys articulated well. Um... How do you have a free country if if even 10% of the people that operate at the highest levels of your most advanced and robust intelligence apparatus are communists? Forget 70%. How do you do that if it's 1 in 10? 
Just play duck, duck, goose, start counting numbers. Eventually, you're, you're going to land on every 10 people. Someone's going to be in a position of leadership, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Someone's going to command division. Someone's going to have, uh, someone's going to have sensitive intel. Um, I, I mean, how do you do that? How, how would we do this if it was 10, let alone if it truly is 70? You see what I'm getting at? I do. And we're asking this now, but I know you and I both learned the hard way. And a lot of people did. Jesse, speaking of Jesse Kelly, he learned this lesson the same way. Think about how you think of the Patriot now, Patriot Act now versus how you thought oh, about absolutely. it at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you'd speak. Yeah. We're just like, you just, we were swimming in water. We just like, yeah, we know we have feet of clay, but we're, we are America. We're not, we, we believed lies. We, uh, we, we fully could not embrace that the, uh, the world we lived in would ever make the same mistakes. I mean, honestly, we, we, we did not have, we weren't wise as serpents in those moments. All right, next thing I jotted down, and this is something we have in, in some respects alluded to frequently on the show as of, as of late. When you change God's word into something it's not, you literally go insane. You can't think straight because you are denying the ultimate reality. Was that your quote? No. <laughs> none of these, sound like no, you. No, yes, none of these are my none of these are my quotes. None of them are. But um, this is it is it is similar to things we have discussed on this show as of the last you know, almost the last year. I have you know how many times before COVID even came along though, but how many times I said, now that we have reached the point of uh transgender madness, like we will believe anything. And then COVID. That was that was your terminal moment right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that this is the, the jumping the shark when, when, as America. When, yeah, yes. when, once we did, once we we're going to start denying the first basic fact. Yes. Said about you. Yes. At the time that you are born. Yes. It's a boy or it's a girl. So once this is this is typically traditionally the first basic, well, basic biological fact, but basic fact mm-hmm. period said about you when you are born yes. is, is is you're a boy or you're a girl. And, and the irony of this going on at a time that something previous generations never heard of gender reveal parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the yeah. idea that this is going on at the exact same right. time, Aaron's generation, who's now having most of the kids right now, are doing gender reveal parties to celebrate the gender of their child at the same time we're eradicating it. Looking at that juxtaposition yes. and where it leads us, that led you to say, once we cross this line, that's it. That, we will, we're, we're fully immersed in the mouth of madness at this point. We will believe anything that you couldn't possibly have guessed at. And then, like, I can't remember which year was the first year I actually said that, but not too long thereafter. Again, I'm sitting there at the end of the bar at Cheesecake Factory at the mall out right where you live steve yep because my father had just died i had come back and we're out there shopping for my daughter and prom dress and i am not really needed at that moment so <laughs> i went to go watch whatever game was on or anything but the, the, the build-up for covid is happening and i'm watching on my phone and i'm watching on the tv i'm at a mall it's full of people mm-hmm. but the news coverage is all about panicking why are the malls full mm-hmm. we're all gonna die mm-hmm. and i'm looking at my twitter feed and it's not just the liberal talking heads it is a bunch of conservatives who are wedding themselves saying we're all gonna die 
I remember, I knew right at that moment that what I was talking about with transgenderism had it. It was going to happen, and I didn't know. Look, years, years. As we taped this show, Steve just got done uh, documenting uh, uh, data that still people are in total denial about about how much more likely you were to get what sick in the hospital or die from the COVID vaccine than from COVID itself. We we still have no idea what the truth is. The average person has no idea. So yeah, this, this is, I'm glad somebody else other than the Steve Day show has their mind wrapped around this because the church, part of the reason we are in that fog is because the church failed time and time again to prepare people Mm -hmm. to not they're, they're, yes, we live in the world, but they're not supposed to be of it. And the church ran terrified from this as much as anybody else. And it's a pox on their house. A reminder about our great friends over at Better Spectacles. They're a conservative pro-American company offering Rodenstock eyewear. That's a 144-year-old German company, the world's gold standard, now exclusively available for the first time in wide release here in the U.S., why do you want to go with Rodenstock? Well, biometric research that measures the eye in over 7,000 points. Not to mention, you don't have to wear dorky frames anymore if you've got a problematic prescription, like you need progressive lenses or bifocals. You get the cool stuff, like what I'm wearing right now. All right? And they'll give you an introductory offer of 61% off with progressive eyewear plus free handcrafted Rodenstock frames. When you go to betterspectacles.com slash Steve, go there now, schedule your teleoptical appointment. When you go to betterspectacles.com slash Steve, again, betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Aaron? Ultimately, and I mean on the corporate level and especially on the personal level, your life comes down to this, to this axiom to a belief in one of these two things. Either you fall for the original lie, ye be like God, or you worship the true God. That's really all we're saying here. Too many people who even bear conservative... Todd just talked about those people. In the years that have followed, they've fallen for scam after scam again as well. Either you fall for the first lie, you be like, or ye be like God, or you... Trust the one true God in your bones down to the DNA level. And there's not a critical mass or maybe much of a mass whatsoever of people who fall into the latter category. And that's why we see that's why we see the chaos in our world today. So, again, at the time we're taping this in the middle of May 2023, the the state of Tennessee about a month ago, I went through or particularly Nashville went through a horrible tragedy mm-hmm. where someone literally crazy, literally insane, denying their the image and, and whose image they're made and how they were made in that image, uh, literally imposes tranny madness with a gun, shoots up a school and kills several children and administrators. In response to this, the Republican governor of Tennessee, Billy, announces that he is going to call a special session of the legislature to meet in August. Except it's not to deal with what you think. It's actually to impose a fallacy known as red flag laws. 
which allow them to deny you access to the Second Amendment and your right to self-defense, really without any due process at all. So one of the enemies, one of the spirit of the ages, tragic acolytes, goes into a school and shoots up the school, one of our schools. And the response of the Republican governor of Tennessee is to call for a special session restricting our freedoms, not theirs. And I I, I bring that up in this context because how many people voted for Bill Lee as governor of Tennessee to, to, to save America? to preserve their God-given rights. This guy also was a big proponent of emptying the prisons under the First Step Act. He was a huge proponent of that. He's changing God's word. He claims to be a Christian. Well, it's the Christian thing to do to let violent offenders out. No, it's not. Brother, you don't want to know what the Christian thing is to do to, uh, to violent offenders, actually. And I don't think I can say it on the air. Okay, it's but it's let me tell you what it's not just letting them out. It's not that it's also not the Christian thing to do to deny people's right to self-defense when crazy people are out there with guns. That sounds like what? Insanity, which is exactly what it is. The Steve Day Show. Back here on a special evergreen episode of the Steve Day Show here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. We are going through some notes that I took at a national ministry meeting I was invited to attend in Dallas on May 2nd, 2023. Who knows when you will actually see this special evergreen episode, and we trust and pray that when that moment comes, it'll feel like it was perfectly timed, ideally timed for this moment. And so we're going just through the things over the course of that uh, day long of, of conversations and meetings that I jotted down that really stood out to me. And we're just discussing them here on this special evergreen episode. Okay, but before we get to that, don't forget about Relief Factor. If you're struggling with pain, particularly because of inflammation in your joints that is manifesting as chronic pain, that's achy, lingering soreness, achiness that just won't go away, check out Relief Factor. 70% chance it's what you're looking for. Why do we say 70%? Well, because over the years, 70% of those who give the three-week quick start a try see such great results in three weeks or less that they stick around long-term. What do you have to lose for 20 bucks? See if you don't see a difference in your pain level in three weeks or less for just under 20 bucks when you go to relieffactor.com. Drug-free, but created by physicians who can prescribe drugs. The people who made this knew what they were doing, all right? Relieffactor.com is where you want to go. Get the three-week trial kit for just $19.95, just under 20 bucks at relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. 800-4-RELIEF. Gentlemen, here's the next one, and Aaron, I'll give you the first crack at this one. Somehow the church has been trained to opt out of everything that matters. Yeah. You like to use, I'm not sure if you came up with this yourself or the day you were taping this, actually, you said it earlier in the day, so I should remember this. I don't know if you came up with this yourself, but a young man goes to a pastor. Yeah, this one I did come up with myself. Yeah. Young man goes to a pastor, 
hey, I'm getting married. Can I have some counsel? Pastor says, yes. Says, I'm having a kid. Can I get some counsel? Can I get some training? Can I get some um, a mentorship? Pastor says, yes, I'm starting a business. Um, and the business has, been, uh, has become successful. Can I get some counsel, mentorship on stewardship? Pastor says, yes. I'm going to run for school board, state representative. Can I get some counsel or mentorship? Sorry, we don't talk politics here. Now, I, I would like to add to that analogy a little bit more. Same guy goes to his pastor and says, hey, pastor, um, having some issues in my marriage. Wife wants a divorce. Can we get some counseling? Pastor probably says yes. Gets his hands dirty. Hey, pastor, um, I made a mistake. I lied to the IRS uh, with my business. Um, I have a problem with honesty and greed. Can I get some counsel and mentorship? Pastor gets his hands dirty probably again. Says yes. Hmm. Guy says, hey, I started looking at porn. I have a lust issue. Can you help me? Can you counsel me? Can you mentor me? Pastor probably says yes. Gets his hands dirty. Hey, Pastor, um, there's a book in the school. Um, there's a book in the school that tells middle schoolers how to have anal sex in which uh, hookup apps to use. And there's a uh, slate of candidates for the school board that we need to support that will toss that smut out of the schools. Pastor basically says, probably, sorry, don't want to get my hands dirty with that. That's what you're talking about. I think that's what that statement, that's just immediately what came to me. That's, dude, that's a pretty good elaboration that you added on to my, um, my allegory there. That is very well said, Todd. And this is Occam's razor. How does the church, I'm, it's fantastic that somebody said this. And I, we talked to once recently on the show about you could be a fly in a wall in a moment. Well, you were a fly in the wall. I mean, was there just like stone silence? Cause how does this happen? Well, who's supposed to lead the church? Men. Mm-hmm. Like not just mankind, us men, dudes. not 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 yes. not boys who can shave. Yes, dudes. Not mere procreators. Not sperm yes. donors. Men. Yeah. Yes. And what do you hear me say all the time about men? Today's men, they're way too comfortable. Thus, the church is way too comfortable, and I don't see any way around it. I, this is, it's it's a when you hear data. And semi-regularly, there's a new Barna poll or something that comes out about the state of the church. Like last year, a majority, or in 2022, a majority of American Christians said they didn't know what the Great Commission was. No matter how bad that data sounds, the reality is it's worse once you Mm -hmm. put the flesh on it, and it's not just a number. Because there's all kinds of people who who say orthodox things. They say the creed. But the faith without the works is dead, dead, dead. Sorry, in my uh, uh, analogy, I, I use the term anal sex. There's no such thing as that. There's only sodomy. Sorry, mm-hmm. the uh, um, the uh, politically uh, whitewashed language of our times uh, still impacts me even sometimes. Just want to make that correction. 
That I thought was one of the most potent statements of the entire day. Somehow the church has been trained to opt out of everything that matters. Somehow. Somehow. (laughs) Could it have something to do with the fact that at the time we're taping this, Rick Warren has just been named, I think, the dean of, uh, of Charles Spurgeon College in London. And, or, or some kind of uh, institute or think tank named after arguably the greatest evangelical pastor England ever produced. And Rick Warren is, the, is, is running this. This is the same Rick Warren that right now is openly violating biblical teaching and challenging the Southern Baptist Convention to accept and ordain women in the ministry. At the, at, at the same time, he is being given, he's being Gee. given the the signet ring of arguably, I mean, <laughs> Protestant. Forgive it. We're only a few hundred years old, okay. Spurgeon is at a, is on a very high list, okay. Like if you guys got your the the, the greatest Christendom thinkers of Catholic tradition, you're gonna have names like Augustine, Aquinas, people of that magnitude, okay. I mean, within within Protestantism, particularly Western Protestantism, after you get past the initial wave of Calvin, Luther, Zwingli, the, Knox, the original reformers, you could argue that the next name on the list is Charles Spurgeon. You could absolutely argue that. And 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 his his title was bestowed to Rick Warren, the man who is literally the author and finisher of Hawaiian church wearing Christianity and is now trying to get the Southern Baptist Convention to join him as a Southern Baptist in, 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 in disobeying God's word and Southern Baptist ecclesiology in ordaining women in the ministry. And instead of being instantly thrown out of the Southern Baptist Convention, they're, they're debating it. How much time do we have in this segment? You got time. I want to unpack... The somehow, the word somehow applies to Rick Warren. And mm-hmm. you, because I had never heard of the name Rick Warren until Purpose Driven Life mm-hmm. came out. And he, I, I don't know what kind of star he had before that, but then he was everywhere. I mean, he was literally, that book was number one for a long time. It's one of the best selling books in the history of American Christianity. He was being invited to White Houses. Yep. I never read the book. But I was interested enough. I read the introduction or the first chapter. I don't remember what it Very was called. Very first words of the book are, it's not about you. Yes. Yeah. Which, which he's, he's saying, you, we, we've turned Christianity, the essence of that, as I understood it, yep. at least fleshed out in the intro, yep. is that you keep coming here for the Oprah show and individual therapy. God is on the throne and we adjust ourselves to God. Yep. That is orthodox teaching to... The, so and now and now he says and now, he, and now he says I, I I was wrong about the word of God for forty years he says he's literally yes. saying this I was wrong about the word of God for forty years it really is okay to ordain women so that's that's the somehow there's going to be a Catholic version of this but since you two are here and we brought up the example what do you think the somehow was because I think that is a tale be, <clears throat> excuse me beyond the life of Rick Warren. Was he really orthodox? Was he lying the whole time? Was it a grift? I I find it fascinating that he waits until after he's officially retired from Saddleback Church that now he wants to take up this fight. I think your answer is in there somewhere. 
Yeah, I, I think that in the end, the the somehow is a euphemism for um, we did this. Okay, that's what I want to know. And, and we permitted. Since we're this. talking about pastors, and, and we and we and we allowed this. And what's the accountability mechanism? Yes. Let me. I mean, I I, I used to say this on my show when I would watch after the. The first time I really started to question the direction we were going culturally within evangelicalism was after what I witnessed in my very first Iowa caucus cycle in 2008. And I I just couldn't believe watching, this is one of his last acts before he passed away. One of his last public acts was watching Jerry Falwell Sr. endorse John McCain, who was not for the overturning of Roe, whose campaign manager, Stephen Schmidt, was openly for gay marriage. Somehow. And, 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 and had once called, referred to Jerry Falwell Sr. directly as, quote, McCain referred to him as, quote, an agent of intolerance. And he's out there somehow endorsing him. And somehow I'm watching Pat Robertson endorse Rudy, Rudy Giuliani? The one who had his mistress living in the mayor's, mayor's mansion with him? The one who marched in gay pride parades? Somehow. Tried to get all the abortion stuff taken out of the party platform? Somehow? And then I looked and I said, here's this Southern Baptist minister who was governor of a state for 10 years, was actually the longest serving politician with executive experience in the race in Mike Huckabee. Now listen, he's got his faults. And at, and at the time we're taping this, I've not had a meaningful conversation with Mike Huckabee in six years because I didn't endorse him in 2016. So apparently the, helping him become the Iowa caucus winner in 2008 and thus a multimillionaire makes me his enemy because I didn't do it a second time. I, I, if I, since I didn't make him a millionaire, Somehow. Some, since I didn't make him a millionaire twice, <laughs> okay, and by supporting him in Iowa again, I'm the traitor somehow. But, but again, in 2008, I don't know that. I only know what we know. Mm-hmm. All right, here's this guy running on everything we've ever wanted someone to say, who's one of us, was a Baptist minister, governor of ten years, got forty percent of the black vote in Arkansas. I don't, and 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 I, hey, I get it if your options are better candidates, but we're going with Giuliani and McCain. And then Romney, those that were doing that. And I, I really struggled with this and, and, and I, and, and just started asking questions. And I started asking questions of our, of our leaders saying, how did you, how did we get here? What happened? And one of the things that I, that I brought up at the time was if you're Pat, if you, if you are Pat Robertson's pastor, first of all, let's assume he's even still going to a local church which is probably not accurate, but let's assume it's true. Let's assume he still attends a local church and you see Pat Robertson, he, and you're the pastor of this church. He's bigger than you. He's a bigger name than you, right? Sure as hell is. But he endorses Rudy Giuliani in a primary for president. Do you feel that you have the standing to say, hey, Pat, I got some office hours Monday. Can I come by? Just have a chat. I'm just, saw you endorse Giuliani. I just, Thought that was odd. Maybe, you know, but you know what? You're in politics full time. I'm not. Maybe there's something I hadn't considered. Have a, you know, you see, think, that, think that any of these guys have any accountability at all? I can tell you the answer is no. Pardon me. No, they don't. There is no accountability. And that's the same thing. You're Rick Warren. You wrote the best selling Christian book of the 21st century. What's your accountability? Who tells you no? You're getting paid 30, 40, 50 grand a pop to speak all over the world. What's your accountability? Who's, that's the thing. Who are, who are we all accountable to? 
And one of the things I learned greatly from that experience is, you know, the, the investors that started my company, the Christian businessmen who came to me in 2011 and said, hey, we think you could have a much bigger impact beyond Iowa, but, and we're, we want to give you the resources to do it. When, when I got done needing their money, I didn't, I didn't ask to dissolve the company. I wanted to keep them around. Why? They serve as my elders. We hold meetings. They ask me questions. They're like, hey, I heard this. What's going on? They listen. So I don't just run off and make a bunch of half-cocked decisions that people don't know about. I often will even consult you guys who work for me before I go off and make major decisions. Who holds? What is the... <laughs> for years, whenever the Catholic-Protestant debate has come up with you and I, what, have I, what has been my token answer to you and your fellow Catholics? When you get serious about yeah. your own ecclesiology, because yeah. the, again, the, the Catholic Protestant argument is not theological. It's ecclesiastical. Because if you believe in the authority structure of the Catholic Church, then you're going to have theologically different answers about the Eucharist and communion, the veneration of Mary, saints, tradition. Those things are going to stem from your recognized church authority. Okay? I actually, Sim similarly... I, as a, a Protestant is going to is going to is going to is going to reject those things because of what they recognize as their established church authority. So that's why, to me, the Catholic argument stems almost entirely on the integrity of its own ecclesiastical authority. Because if you're asking me as a Protestant to say, I want you to accept that there needs to be a layer of authority between you and the Word of God. Or with you and the word of God is maybe a better way of putting it. Okay, then you need to show me that that authority is authoritative. That's why I keep saying that. If you're not going to enforce your own ecclesiology, why would I as an outsider consider adopting it? But the same thing happens over here. Sola Scriptura until a big, a big, big star decides after 40 years in ministry, women belong, but so he doesn't get banned. He should have been banned from the Southern Baptist Convention the first time he suggested it. At the very least, there should have been some enclave. He should have been called to the headquarters and said, hey, we want to have a conversation. And if he didn't like those answers, then he's banned. This is why I don't join up with denominations. Same argument. I don't believe in the integrity of your ecclesiastical authority. There's one authority that, I, that has never, ever failed us. It's the word of God. And I get to interact with you as a Catholic and you as a, as a Baptist and you and everything else via it. And as long as we agree on the major points it makes, I'm cool. We're cool. That's why I have an odd group of theological friends. But ultimately, do you trust your own ecclesiastical authority? When, what, what's the point of paying for adjunct professors and pastors as the, as, 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 in the Southern Baptist Convention? If Rick Warren's just going to roll, roll over you when he's not even a pastor anymore. That answer your question? And then some. We'll come back with hour two in a moment.
right back here with Hour 2, live and on demand, except we're not live, and probably not that much on demand, or in demand, for that matter. But nevertheless, we persisted. This is a special evergreen episode of the Steve Dace Show. We have the day off, but you are getting original programming nevertheless. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Aaron McIntyre. His name is Todd Erzin. You can share your name with us by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, me, we, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. Find me at Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. Find us via the podcast, if you would, by subscribing or following Steve Dace Show on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, etc. And leave us a five-star review if you like the show and haven't done this yet. We appreciate each and every one of you who have done those things for us. This special Evergreen episode was inspired by a, a trip I took to be a part of a national ministry meeting in Dallas, Texas, back on May 2nd, 2023, just a group of Christian leaders getting together people with impactful ministries, in my case, impactful platforms, just concerned about the mouth, the lip of the mouth of madness that America seems on the brink of, if not already immersed in, and, and on a spiritual level, how to push back and fight against this. And throughout the course of this meeting, and we had several ministry figures that are probably names if you are uh, devoted as a believer, particularly within uh, Protestant circles, but there were actually several Catholics at this meeting. I think I forgot to tell you that. Um, these are names that you would, in, many, in several cases, these are names that you would know. And so throughout the course of the day, I jotted down a list of things that really stuck out to me. And, and I kept this list after the event because I thought, you know what, this should be an evergreen where we just go over these points that I jotted down and just discuss them. We'll get back to that in just a second, though. First, let me brag some more on Miracle Made Sheets. You know, now we're into the cooler time of the year. So how does, how does self-cooling properties in your bedclothes work? Well, it turns out every bit as good as during the hotter times of year. I mean, these Miracle Made sheets have been incredible. I've been sleeping on them at home every single night since we got them. I cannot rave about them enough. Self-cooling properties, self-cleaning properties as well, both come from the same NASA-inspired silver-infused fabric. Prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. You can't beat it, and they feel great. Luxurious comfort and quality. Take advantage of it now. Go to TryMiracle.com and use the discount code DACE. TryMiracle.com slash DACE. Discount code DACE. 40% off a free three-piece towel set trymiracle.com slash days discount code days all right so gentlemen here's the next one quote we've turned this entire thing over to pharaoh caesar and the enemy todd Mm, i'm trying to think through each one if there's if that was a more generalized statement uh i think it was less less specific Uh, to each one i think um here yes this whether they knew it or not whether they had read your book or not is basically uh they they kept accepting the enemy's premise at the very least you know at the very least a road to hell paved with good intentions kind of thing i think that's how you get there you have a version of uh Meek and mild, Jesus is always nice. Uh, try to meet everybody where mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. These are all catchphrases. Yeah, yep. these are, uh, and you do that. Hey, if there's a perp, if, if there are, 
is a person and or a culture that is genuinely interested, even if they're skeptical about what you have to say as a church, that that's a fair enough place to start. It, but you again, innocent. That's innocent as doves. You got to do that too. But were you wise as serpents? Were you aware? Did the light ever go off that you were being manipulated? That you were part of a hostile crowd that wanted to weaken you over time by constantly trying to make you feel like you're doing work and involved in a discussion while meanwhile they're flanking you on every side and turning your very own children into your soldiers instead of theirs? So you kept accepting, at the very least, accepting the enemy's premise that they were interested in what you had to say. When all along, they were playing you like a fool. Yeah, indeed. I think one of the great lies the church has told itself is that we need, there's a great need or appetite, but we'll just stay with need for cultural relevancy. I think when, and I think when a lot of people or a lot of ministry leaders have heard that term or embraced that notion over the last 15 to 20 years, you know, at least, I think they mean being like the world. Or world light, L-I-T-E, like mm-hmm. a light mm-hmm. beer version of the world. I think a better path would have been, and again, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I don't think I'm asking for too much here. I think the thing we should have pursued is cultural confrontation. That's how you would be relevant in any culture east of mm. Eden, mm. is confrontation. But we mistook relevancy... For niceness, relevancy for being a light version of the world Mm -hmm. instead of relevancy for no, we are relevant because we are, we are uh, priests. We are uh, uh, the soldiers of the one true king and here and no further. That is how you attain cultural relevancy. And instead, the result was we became a light version of the world, not L-I-G-H-T a light version of the world, like a light beer version of the world. And so we assimilated with it in mass. And I think that's what that comment kind of, kind of encapsulates. Next comment. Talking about our mobile devices. And I was probably on the, um, I would say the age differential in that room is pretty 50-50. Uh, between Gen Xers and Boomers, okay? Quote, the world is on these devices. So that's where we need to be. Talking about these devices and the apps and stuff like that. Is that a little bit like, at the time we're recording this, May 18th, 2023, we did an overtime with my daughter yesterday. Talking about how a majority of, and a, a large majority like nearly 60% of American teenagers said they would give up the right to vote to still have access to things like TikTok. And she's like, you know, and we asked her at the end, what's the antidote to this? 
And she's like, we have to invade those places. We have to be there and, and take our message there because that's where they are. And I think that that was sort of the context of one of the elderly people in the room who made this statement. Uh, this is the one so far, if we were playing buy, sell, hold, I would hold on out of my own l- lack of certainty because when your daughter gave that answer, uh, it it was she was sound in her logic, but I also have other voices in my head. I have uh, Aragon. You cannot wield it. I I I am not certain that despite our best intentions, that that's ultimately that a demon that can be tamed. I'm also reminded of the great reboot. I know, uh, Steve, you and I both absolutely loved it. I was shocked at how good it was, uh, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. Mm -hmm. I think think it's one of the top five television series I've ever seen. The reason the Battlestar Galactica was saved is because Adama refused to connect his ship to the new technology because he thought, this is wrong. It does. I don't know where it goes exactly, but it's wrong. It was basically a network, an internet, or something like that. And his was an independent ship with old school tech. And he ended up sur- helping her man- humanity survive because he was stubborn in that. I am. We we talked recently on the show about is this the on that with her? Is this the blue meth? You know, for speaking of another show, the blue uh, from uh, Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Mm-hmm. I'm. I don't know. I, I don't know if our going there is ultimate if if we can do anything about it if 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 this is something that simply needs to be thrown into the sea our tech has made our lives so damn comfortable it has anesthetized us to so many things and so this goes beyond the phone uh it just it, it, I think you wrap up the, what the internet has become, all of that and stuff. I'm not sure it can be tamed. That is a fascinating point I had not even considered. Is there a distinction to be drawn? Meaning, so what I hear, so for people that don't know the Battlestar Galactica reference that you're talking about, um, the humans in Battlestar Galactic, I believe, was written by a Mormon named Glenn, L. Lar- Glenn A. Larson yeah, originally. I right. And I think it's a metaphor of LDS uh, histiog- histiography, I think, is really what it's a metaphor for, if I remember right. And so you, you know, um, and, and so the humans have created the, in, in this advanced set of humans who actually are part of this colonization of humans that includes Earth, but they were the ones that went out into the stars many, many years ago. And they created these beings called Cylons to basically help them run society. and Servant robots. Yeah, yeah. And they always, we know this story every yes. time it's told, they always turn on their creator. Yes. Right? Like we turned on ours. Yes. Okay. And, um, and in the story, the Cylons have the humans convinced if you uh, join up with this singular technology, this is the new technology, the new reboot. You know, this is the next advancement. And so because they are your dutiful stewards that you programmed, uh, all of humanity signs up with it, including the entire military apparatus. Mm -hmm. Uh, Adama refuses to. And the entire thing is basically a a mass casualty event. Silence, download a virus. Yep. And they commit mass genocide against 
the all these tribes of human beings and Adama's starship, the Galactica, is the last refuge since it didn't connect. It's the last ship left and it goes out into the stars now trying to find Earth and its original you know, um, uh, its original ancestors to reconnect yeah. with what's left of humanity. Um, so what I hear you saying is if that's your, if that's the analogy you're calling upon mm-hmm. is some of these things like TikTok, for example, are so prevalent in meism and egoism yes. that you view them as irredeemable because in and of themselves, the platform in and of itself represents anathema yeah. to the, yeah. the, the, the basics of a biblical worldview. Yeah. That, now, that's different than when Anna says to go do stuff. What's the name of the show she was talking about? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's different than Lila Grace and Michael Knowles, Knowles oh, yeah. physically going and yes. engaging people. Agreed. And then that gets taped and put on these apps. Yeah. But that's at least where there's a personal interaction and connection can take place other than let me, let, let me do a 30-minute video about what I care about yeah. and, and, and we're competing in an ego-driven yeah. space. Is that what I hear you saying? Absolutely. And okay. I fear thinking you can wield technology uh, like this as if it's, I think we just need to ask ourselves, is it really neutral? Because I fear us going into this technology space, it sounds a lot like a lot of Christians drifting into the same-sex marriage space. It's it, Love is love. It's two people kind now of they, thing. Now, they told Billy Sunday not to go on the radio. See. They told Billy Graham not to go on TV. Would you, what would, are you, and, and so what was different about those platforms compared to I, some of these apps? Like I said, I'm neutral enough. I'm going to hear, hear things. We talked about, like, when I was a kid and I was 13 years old and you said, would you rather vote or watch TV? I'd probably say watch TV, but I was 13, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we keep delaying adulthood but over it, so and now and now the, you see you coined the phrase I think boys who can shave or like that we I mean listen well, when what we were, sense of duty? We, we counted down the days until we got turned sixteen to go get a driver's license lots of teenagers don't even go get their yeah. driver's licenses anymore yeah. so that during that era when you're talking about the radio all I know there was a lot of men in my life that I was surrounded by through you know that you knew in the neighborhood through little league there's like um. They'd call you correct, and they were not just totally seduced by any form of technology. It did not own their lives. Okay. Just see, now it it owns... I'm, ta- I'm talking about the easy access to all the things that make men comfortable. Think of all the pop culture entertainment. Think of now gambling. Think of all of those things. Okay. Of which you two are unicorns because those I know you. They you're not. They don't come close to be the top of your priority list. You go out and you live your lives and you put A, B, C, D, and e all ahead, and then the rest is the gravy and the dessert. We all know that's not true. I agree. Of a with lot you. of men. I know that. Okay, Aaron, you're the younger guy. What do you think? So I, I'm kind of kind of where Todd is a little bit. I, I just think of a, a sub-Saharan African mission. Some guy, a missionary a thousand miles away, does a plane drop to various uh, villages, you know, that cannot be reached otherwise other than airdrops, something like that. Drops in a shortwave, a bunch of shortwave radios. You can use shortwave radio, you know, 500 miles away to transmit the gospel messages in these, in these tribes' own language every single day, 24-7, or something like that. Is that a good thing? Is he leveraging technology? Is the missionary leveraging technology mm-hmm. 
to uh, testify to the truth. Yes. What's keeping those, hopefully it's the Holy Spirit working in their lives, but those tribesmen and women could also just turn that into a form of entertainment. When 6 o'clock, when the message comes on and the music comes on, that's what they live for every single day, is that entertainment. It's just entertainment uh, to them. So that's where, that's where I'm kind of coming to with this as well. I think we need to distinguish the technology from the format of the content. And I don't, I don't want to make this more complicated than it needs to be. I just think that TikTok in and of itself, and whether it's Instagram Reels or YouTube Shorts, this type of entertainment where it's just, I mean, there have been studies, you get a dopamine hit. Yeah, mindless. It's, it's mindless. Yeah. I think that is irredeemable. That format of video is yeah. irredeemable. I, I don't know. And I, again, okay, so ban TikTok. Ban this type of, it's, they're going to get the hit somewhere, somewhere else. So I am, when it comes to phones, so that statement I agree with. You need to be there. You need to utilize and leverage technology. The format or the medium of transmitting that content. If we used a porn star to preach the gospel while she's got everything hanging out, is that a redeemable? No, hell no. Right. Right. No. Right. So I think we need to distinguish the technology from the platform, if that makes sense. It does make a lot of sense. All right. This was a conversation about the need for unity within the church at this moment, given the forces we're up against. Quote, the church ought to be praying for everybody who's trying to make an impact for the kingdom. We need to become an answer to Jesus's prayer in John 17, end quote. That's where Jesus is one of his final sermons to the, his people is talking about the need for them to be one, the need for unity among them as a brethren. Aaron, I'll let you take this one first. Yeah, I, I mean... We have holidays that we celebrate. I know your church does a great job at this. You made a freaking community center that mm-hmm. the entire West Des Moines community can come and utilize for events and gatherings. And guess what? They're coming to you because you have something that they want. And that opens up doors. That's great. As we're taping this, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I was a little dismayed, and I asked you off the air, I was a little dismayed about, um, about the fact that, I, as of now, I'm not aware of any national efforts from church organizations, pro-life organizations, to utilize the gift that the fact that Roe v. Wade was overturned in the month of June to counter-program Degeneracy Month, Pride Month. I think this is an example of the lack of unity that we're talking about. We're not opportunistic. This could be a an entire month. We could use we could we could plant our flag on June twenty fourth. I think it is that it was overturned. That is a new holiday mm-hmm. in the American church. Mm-hmm. Just amongst ourselves, it doesn't even have to be an outreach. Just amongst ourselves, like did churches celebrate the Emancipation Proclamation? Yes, yeah. they did. Yeah, yeah. That that but there's there's nothing. That I've seen anyway. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I hope I'm wrong about that. Where's the vision to counter-program? Hey, a week after you do your pride parade with dudes twerking in front of toddlers, 
We're going to do the exact same parade on the exact same route in the exact same part of town, except we're going to have a life parade, and it's going to be sponsored by churches and other businesses or organizations that want to get involved. We're going to have life fests. We're going to serve those who are trying to get pregnant. We're going to serve those who have unexpected pregnancies, especially during the... Where's that vision? And it's just not there. Todd? Well, this seems to be bringing us back to the beginning. We started talking about, or I did, the need, uh, the need for oneness. You explicitly said that that came up. Is this what's what I'm hearing here? Mm-hmm. That's that's very uh, encouraging. I I'm fascinated to hear your version of where this went and were any sacred cows moved, moved in any sort of direction there? Because again, th- this our lack of oneness, it, not just. Not just an ecclesiastical structure, which it, that's a huge thing, but our lack of oneness, regardless of whether you are laity or pastor, our lack of certainty about what must be done in events like Aaron is talking about is a lack of oneness. This was a major theme of this entire event, by the yes. way. Because if we, you know, this is where. The Lord would often say, you know, did you not hear what I just said? We can't, we're supposed to be mind, body, and spirit with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength aligned with the life and the will and the love of the Lord. And when we constantly act like we need, somebody needs to tell us what to do. We need marching orders. There's just the number of times Steve gets emails. I, I, I get them as well. What should we do? What should we do? It's, it, it is a tell. And it is a tell on how poorly churched we are. How we are not close to one. Not just with each other, but we are not one in relationship with God. God is fundamentally relationship. We we are in a, such a deep level of denial about how connected we are with the Jesus we claim to worship and serve. Because in the chaos that's going on now, there shouldn't be this much confusion about what we do as a church. But there is because there's so much fear. We are terrified. We're told to, to be not afraid, but we're terrified of losing so much that makes us comfortable. And I, again, I'm fascinated to hear more from you, Steve, about if you heard something you haven't heard before because you've been in all kinds of these rooms and conversations, that means these guys are really serious this time. Because if they are, I don't know about in our lifetime, Steve. But in our children's lifetime, the church, whatever that is, should look a hell of a lot different than it does right now. Well, like I said, this was a major theme of this meeting. They're very serious about it. We didn't walk out of there necessarily with action steps. Oh, no, I get that. This was more about getting a group of people together and um, letting them get to know each other Mm -hmm. and get comfortable with one another and comfortable with um, brutal honesty uh, about what they are each seeing, what, what God has put on each of their hearts. So... 
I mean, my, my hope is that it is, um, it's the opening salvo of an ongoing dialogue is my hope. You felt, you felt more po uh, optimistic than pessimistic at the end, because let's face it, you've come out of most of these and you've been honest with the people. You may have not given details, but you've come out of a lot of these very pessimistic. So yeah, I did, be... I did not come out of this pessimistic. Good. I didn't come out of it overly optimistic because I, I, not because of the meeting, but simply because I just think we are at a juncture now that it it is revival or bust. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, but, um, but I, you're right. I, I've not I've not been to many of these that I I didn't walk out of there thinking that was a waste of my time. Mm -hmm. Next, the forces aligned against us intend to make us kneel. Todd, absolutely. Yeah, uh, this is. This is, it's always been that way. The the forces aligned against us aren't like new. This is nefarious. This is the plan all along. There's no cosmic existential neutrality out there. All ultimately, the, the, there's a God-shaped hole and it'll either be filled by the real thing and you will kneel to it in joy or there is the imposter and you will kneel to it at the point of a gun. Well, we've been talking, unfortunately, that much of the pro-life movement has not been ready for a post-Roe world. One place that was our friends over at Preborn, because they were already doing hand-to-hand -hand combat with the spirit of the age outside of courthouses, but on the streets with moms in crisis, saving both the mom and the baby by loving them both, and now they need our help to continue doing that, to continue uh, saving children and saving moms and families. They need donations from people like us so that the moms can hear and see via that ultrasound that that is a child, another body they're carrying. But then the mom also, after she chooses life, as she does 80% of the time with preborn, understands that now she's got a support system that will help her get started as a mother. All of these things free of charge with donations from people like us when you go to preborn.com slash Steve. Make a tax-deductible donation today at preborn.com slash Steve. This is probably the most awake statement so far today mm -hmm. because it shows whoever says that recognizes that this is not... This is not just a mere uh, political jockeying. This is not just a few policies away. This is not, if we just install the right guy, this is not ebbs and flows of, of history, even though it might be a little bit of that. This is truly a spiritual yes. battle, yep. doctrines of demons type of stuff. I think that's the probably... I don't want to say woke because, you know, that means something else, but awake, eyes to see, ears to hear statement so far. Final thing for this segment, and this is something that I did borrow, and you've heard me say on our show a lot recently, a paraphrase of it. The Berlin Wall of Roe v. Wade has fallen. We have no more excuses. We hid behind that wall as an excuse for many years. Life is the defining issue of this and every age. It has always been the issue in all its forms throughout history that separates the demonic from decency. Aaron? Yeah. That's absolutely correct. You know, the, the, there is a straight line from sexual degeneracy 
to abortion, baby killing, to slavery. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that in our country. Praise God, the Berlin Wall, as, as it's put there, has fallen. I think the question that remains, is there enough time left? In God's economy, you know, there's always time to repent. But the damage that this has done in all aspects of our life, that killing our next generation for a generation and a half, has that done too much damage? That's the question I think that we're going to get answers to. Got a minute, Todd, go. Yeah, it's it's the thing that makes us sore when we realize how precious this thing that we were given. We send, spend so much time taking it for granted, but every single generation that has been enslaved in one way or other, you ha- you end up having the stories that are retold, passed down orally through now through cinema and the great movies we tell that this is it is Samwise Gamgee that it is good and it is worth fighting for yet we spend so much time trying to choke the life out of that it is it is the only gift that makes sense out of anything else that we have that we are so lucky that we won the lottery to be living and breathing amen all right we have six of these statements left for the final segment we'll get to them right when we come back stay tuned show. All right, back here one final time on this special evergreen edition of the Steve Day Show. Todd and Aaron, I've got six statements left that I jotted down from this ministry meeting that I attended in Dallas, May 2nd of 2023. Let's see if we can get through all six in the final time we have. Back to the conversation here in a moment, but you know we have talked about Jace Medical on the show here for the last year plus in several different contexts, but let's make this one the most practical of them all. There are critical shortages of essential drugs in the country right now, and this can cause severe disruptions in medical treatments that could result in delays, even treatment cancellations, even unfortunate rationing of vital medications. This is what happens when you let China... Yeah, that them manufacture the vast majority of your antibiotics in any given year. Jace Medical wants to be the solution to that. Personalized emergency medication kit contains five essential antibiotics, and you can also do it customized with dozens of add-on medications as well. Choose the ones that are the best fit for you and your family's unique needs. Get that peace of mind when you go to jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E. JaceMedical.com. Enter the code DACE at checkout for a discount on your order. Discount code DACE at JaceMedical.com. If this country is a gift from God, or is this country a gift from God, or just a matter of historical political happenstance? Because if it's a gift from God, then we have a stewardship obligation. Todd. Well, I think we have a stewardship obligation no matter what. I I don't think we need to get into some sort of like it, 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 we we drift into angel how many angels will dance on the head of a pin like how 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 destined by god was america formally speaking 
Steve I had this conversation before about pe- like uh, people who th- who think you have a prophetic like calling or mm-hmm. is it an actual yeah a specific you know, like, one. I'm just yeah uh, I hope I'm not I, and I I don't really know the tenor of the room there I don't think we have to know if this was overtly divinely appointed to think that we have a call to stewardship on uh, in a to take this thing in a godlike heading. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sure. I don't, okay. Regardless of what your view of history is, yeah. um, are we a country that was, that, that, are we a second Israel? Are we a country yeah, that yeah. was inspired by Christian teaching yes. and therefore founded by Christians? Was all of that completely blown out of proportion? Who is on the side of, of eradicating every fabric of this society? People who follow the God of the Bible or the people who don't? Answer, the people who don't. Mm, so yeah. therefore then, how does it, if the people that don't follow the God of the Bible are the ones trying to eradicate every institution of this civilization, how does it possibly glorify the God of the Bible right. to let them do it? Right. That's your point? Completely agree with it. Yeah. I, yeah, I think this is true. Dis- Rome was a gift from God. <laughs> Paul tells the Galatians in the fullness of time, son of God came born to a virgin. A lot of... You know, a lot of applications or commentaries on on that passage attribute that, among other things, to the fact that there was a huge empire that was connected and peaceful by road, which allowed the gospel to spread. Yeah. Rome also produced Nero. Rome also produced a great persecution of Christians as well. We are not, it does, it's not dependent on what you call the nation. Paul had the audacity in Romans 13 to tell to tell the, the church at Rome, this is the way government is supposed to be. Was the government that way at that time? No, it is our duty. We do have a stewardship duty, um, um, duty I should say. Uh, we, are, we are doing a do-do job at it right now. But we do have, <laughs> a, <laughs> we do have a duty, regardless of whatever you call your nation, to pursue the truth, to testify to the truth to ourselves to our neighbors, and to our government. So I don't think that that's necessarily dependent on whether or not a nation is uh, a blessing of God. It can also be true that uh, whether you call it manifest destiny or whether it's uh, Chesterton, was it Chesterton, only nation founded on a, on a creed? Yep. Um, that, that can also be true, but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter that this nation was particularly blessed by God in, you know, in particular. All right, next one. Quote, the model will not change God will answer the prayers of his desperate and broken children. Without that humility, we cannot succeed. Nailed. See, I, I don't even know if that... You, to me, I think you kind of take this one at face value. Yes. Either, you, either you hear that and say, amen, yes. or you just theologically disagree with it, right? Yep. Yes. Aaron? I agree. So yeah. we're all in an amen with this, this one? Rick yep. Warren, show us you met that first sentence of the chapter. That's what that's yes. saying, yes. This is a good follow-up to it. Our job is to suffer and be willing to be hated for Christ. Most men these days judge themselves through the friends they have when they should be looking at the enemies they have instead. If you don't have any enemies, why not? Todd. Touchdown! <laughs> Touchdown! Well, you Gets don't ha- it! You don't have any enemies, Todd. Gets it! The Lord had enemies. He was crucified for it. That he sh- and he did it because he loved everybody. Good grief. I'm not making this up. You're all too damn comfortable. Yeah, I think if this is directed at at Christians, and I think it was just in general, but at the Christian church, 
the church and men in particular have confused piety for righteousness, have mistook uh, grace for mercy, and have probably most of all confused love for niceness. And that's how you get the dynamic that he's talking about. Hmm. We need more pastors willing to go from 10,000 to 4,000 because they're putting the word of God first. Aaron. Absolutely. Absolutely. We need the, the numbers thing. We, I mean, the, the church that I attend, we sent off, had to have been almost 100 people, almost 100 people to do a church plant uh, on the east side, which is not the nice t- side of town, to do a church plant over there. We've come back and doubled our, er, not doubled our side, but, but we've p- pretty much replaced everyone since then. Now, I'm fortunate to be in a church who has a pastor who's willing to say uh, tough truths. But um, the, the, the desire to see numbers as a testament of whether you are testifying, I've used this phrase several times today, testifying to the truth, that has got to go away. That has just got to go away. And, and some of the ministers that were in this room, hey, they brought this up and said, hey, we started going down the road of confronting what is going on, and we lost thousands of people. The church that mm-hmm. I got a chance to preach in in Chattanooga the summer of 2022, um, they had lost half, the, like four or 5,000 people. And then they gained another four or 5,000 people. But people and people that were like driving a half hour, hour, hour and a half to go to that church because they were doing it, you know? So it's uh, one of the reasons I'm, I'm sad, genuinely, that Pope Benedict ultimately did not stay in the pontificate unto his death. And he ended up living, I mean, he just died, rel- uh, just la- was it last year, I think? So, mm-hmm. I mean, he died, and Pope Francis has been there for... Earlier this mo- year, I thought. Yeah, more than a decade now, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, But he, he said, in a much more professorial and ver- verbose way, but he said a true sign of, uh, of uh, us coming to the point where... Um, we are the church we are supposed to be is that first we will get smaller. He, he said that regularly. It was one of his more controversial uh, uh, statements along with what God he said. Is, God describes himself as a gardener and uses gardening yeah. tool to yes, terms right. in the scriptures. Yes. That's what pruning is. Then, mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. And now we got, and then he, he did not finish the race. And now we have Pope Francis who is entertaining thoughts about Pachamama. So yeah, we needed a bit more Benedict because he was right. There's no political solutions to a demonic problem. The church is the entity that God has placed on this planet for these confrontations. Aaron? Yep. 100% truth, 200 proof truth. Uh, straight no, no chaser. This goes back to what was said earlier, which I, I said was the, the most awake statement. You have to come to that realization. This is... This is the uh, uh, minister of Matt. This is the Cornelius Fudge problem. He didn't want to believe what he was actually up against until he saw it with his own eyes. And then, when he saw Voldemort truly was back, everything changed. He didn't want to admit that he was back because the implications of believing that the reality was what it was, what he was up against 
was not just some sort of weird PR campaign or some sort of political machinations to oust him from power. The implications of believing what he was up against was actually evil was too much for him to bear. And I, I fear there are too many pastors and men of the cloth in this country who are in that same Cornelius Fudge predicament. Steve at stevedace.com. Yes, I just made another Harry Potter analogy. <laughs> Todd? Of course, make exorcisms great again. If anything is not based on the kingdom of God, it will absolutely fail. Self-evident. Yeah. One more. We pray for revival, but be careful about that. Because the Lord will answer eventually, and in our current state of comfortability, we will need to suffer a lot more to respond to a revival. I'm swooning, baby. I'm swooning. Maybe you should have gone to this meeting instead of me. Yeah, there it is. Well, when I will say, on purpose, I have not interjected myself into several of these statements because I'm, I'm genuinely concerned or interested in what you guys think as mm-hmm. people that weren't there to hear them. This one, I would like to interject myself a little more if you guys are okay. Yeah. Because of everything that was said, all these statements are great. Um, I, you know, the CIA thing is something I have no knowledge of. So that got my attention, but a lot of these are variations or observations on themes that are discussed a lot on our show Mm -hmm. and in places and platforms like this. Mm -hmm. This was the one, and it came towards the very end of the event. This was the one that blew my mind because I've been saying revival or bust since before you guys came to work here. I mean, I've been saying that on this show for like 10 years. And it never dawned on me that we could be so still so drunk on comfort that we would, you know, what's the famous or the, or the infamous prayer from Augustine you have quoted often, Lord, make me chaste, but not mm-hmm. yet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus, but not but not before this game on Saturday that I'm really looking forward to. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, but not before the next season of Yellowstone comes out. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, but not before the EA Sports College football game returns, right? Come quickly, Lord Jesus, but not before I get a chance to lose my virginity. That kind of stuff, right? Okay. And I just, as a guy who has been a revival or bust, you know, mantra repeater for almost a friggin' decade, The idea that we are, that (laughs) praying for that may not be the relief you think if the Lord were to answer. That it it would be relief. (laughs) Okay. But then relief from your comfort and your idols and everything else that that stopped you from hearing that voice all this time. Okay. That, um, you know, Nero sparks revival. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Domitian sparks revival. The Soviet Union sparks revival. Right? There's a, I, in fact, it, it blew my mind because I've even pointed this out. You look at demographic trends, there's a better chance that if you're born in Beijing, China, than Boston, mm-hmm. Massachusetts, there's a better chance you will become a born again believer if you are born in Beijing. 
despite the fact you are not allowed above the ground to proclaim the name of Jesus there, and you still can in many places in Boston, Massachusetts. Despite the fact in Beijing, China, you have no, none of the cultural influence that we are arguing we should be wielding is not even an option to you. And it is still in Boston, Massachusetts. And by the end of this, if not this, then certainly the next decade, China, if, if the Lord does not return, China will be, or there's not great revival in the West, China will have the largest Christian population on planet Earth. Yeah. And you're getting it. Even for someone that has preached this message on a large platform for how many years, that one, you cut me deep, Shrek. And that came towards the end of the day, and I'm like, I got to make sure I really mean what it is I'm talking about. Okay. Cause I've, I, for me, I've kind of viewed revival as the Lord comes out of the bullpen to save the game. Right. Okay. No, everything would change. The the Lord blows the game up is what this, what this was saying. Oh yeah. The Lord cancels your game. Yes. It says game is over. We are playing a new game now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, not even, I, I'm like, I'd not even considered that. Okay. So this one blew my mind, and it came like right at the end of the day. You guys go ahead and finish this out. We've got I've three been minutes. guilty of this as well. You ever heard of the term glamping? So G-L-A. It's camping and glamour. So you go out and you go to a campsite, except yeah. you've got a heated uh, RV with yeah. you. In other words, you how I would do it. All the accoutrements <laughs> of being at home. Right. I think... I think when we say revival, that's what we're thinking of. We want a glamping version of revival. I think I'm guilty of that, yeah. Where we don't have to go out literally into the wilderness, and you're lucky if you have a tent, and you have to go get your food yourself. We want a glamping version of revival, where we don't have to give up our comforts, but spiritually we're changed. Don't think it works like that. I'm back at Battlestar Galactica, the, 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 the evil hedonist. Uh, Gaius, who is the one who helped uh, unwittingly helped the silence. Gaius Baltar, d- yes. Download everything. Uh, so he screwed up there. Uh, all the way through the series is constantly searching for power and all scheming. He he, all of this stuff, and he resents his background. His is and at the end of this show, when he ultimately and the other humans are saved, they've reached their destination. They're saved. He is going to become what he always resented. I, instead of the super smart, educated, we the people we've been waiting for scientists, he always resented coming from this poor farmer background. And that's where he ends up. And mm-hmm. he's grateful for it because mm-hmm. he knows the undoing of all of his previous lies. That's what Steve is talking about. This is not working. It's not going to be all of these bells and whistles and comfort, but hey, Jesus is back. No, no, no. He is going to fill in the valleys and he is going to plow over the mountains. He is going to terraform this place that we've called fake nirvana. So, it's never it's that this utopia that clearly is just has nothing but feet of clay. I, I think the reason why we might fall into this trap uniquely as Americans is because we had a couple of great revivals in this country. Yeah, that we're not preceded by something necessarily necessarily cataclysmic i can't remember if when the civil war uh figured into that but i think that's part of the reason why americans mm-hmm. we kind of have this glamping and, perspective of revival and mm-hmm. every single one of happened of before we became an industrialized civilization yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that should tell you something mm-hmm. well i hope you found this to be very thought-provoking over the last couple of hours we certainly did All right, we will join you again live soon right here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317.